Hello and welcome to Fireside Chat number 35. Um, first of all, apologies for a short hiatus. Um, various holidays that we couldn't plan well have resulted in us not being able to record for the for the past couple of uh, weeks. Um, very... So sorry, you have to. I'm hearing myself. Can we restart, or is it all live? <laughs> No, it's, it's, all it's all life. It's all life. <laughs> okay. <laughs> all right. So, uh, yes. So, apologies for the short uh, hiatus. Um, we were on, on holidays and doing various other things, uh, but very happy to be back. As usual, if uh, we are, we pick a topic just before we start. Um, and if you like this, then please subscribe and leave us comments. And also. Um, give us uh, ideas about new things to talk about and thank you very much for the people that who are attending live as well please leave uh, comments and we'll try to incorporate them in our discussion right so without further ado let's get started so today the topic is the entitled programmer right so there is a uh, an impression that because of the industry we are in and the demand for for the for programmer which has actually been around since the the dot com bubble or even the if you're as old as us the millennium bug right that's when when the demand for programmers really kicked off and it hasn't seen any large dips and it's just forever increasing and that has resulted in a compared to other industries a much uh, more of a demand and that does result in uh, the behavior where people know that they can walk in and out of jobs and they and not everybody but that leads for some people or some programmers to have a myopic view but still think that they they know everything basically and that their view trumps everything everyone else's view and this is the kind of um let's say attitude or viewpoint that we are going to discuss today right so who wants to get started yeah i i I would just like to amend that because i I think it's not only i know best there's also uh or at least i i see some let's call it diva behavior as well no Uh, and and entitlement and this kind of stuff which is from my perspective, it's not only, you know, you're set on an idea that you have all the information on uh, and this point of view, but also uh, for me, kind of denotes a little bit of a lack of empathy, you know, as, as well. And um, yeah, I, I actually shared this, this point of view. It's not everyone, but I, I let, let's say that it is something that is there and then this is not a, you know, we actively filter out for those kind of things. Let's say when we're hiring, no. Uh, but uh, it is it is an issue for the industry, from my point of view, no. Um, mm-hmm. And yeah, I don't know. What what do you think? So maybe Sandra, you want to add a little. No, as you said, like uh, I don't think that is the vast majority, but mm-hmm. there is certainly enough. Uh, people in our industry for us to recognize certain patterns and and you can see things like for example how people quite often complain about their teams their colleagues their projects their clients their companies 
And the way that they complain already tell you uh, the, the degree of, of entitlement that they have, right? Because there are things that, for example, there are different ways of complaining. One is to say, look, there are the ways that we work. I, I don't really like the way we work, but I'm still trying to figure it out, speaking to the team and see if we can improve that. There are those things that, that annoy me, what I find that is inefficient, but we are working together trying to figure out a way to improve that. So now you are stating your opinions, but, but there is an implied, there is an attitude of fixing that problem, working to, to fix. Another thing is like, those people don't know what they are doing. This project is shit. And that is a very different, or this team doesn't know how to work well. And that's a very different way of uh, expressing your sentiments or describing the problem. This, is, this comes from a, self, a sense of entitlement. It's like, I know best. I know how this should be done. And those people are shit or this company shit. Sorry, I, 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 I disagree a little bit with the I know okay. best thing because it, it's easy to judge and to say, oh, this team shit or they don't know what they're doing or whatever. But when you actually dig in and say, okay, so what, you know, what do you propose we do? I, I don't always get, you know, good answers in, in that sense, right? So, I, I, you know what I mean? Like, it's not... It, it's, it's, it, but, the, you know, that does not mean that they still don't think that they know best. Oh, exactly. Okay. <laughs> no, so, so normally, normally they are... Because every, everyone that is very quick to criticize something in terms of this is shit, this is this, and it's, it's a very radical opinion about certain things. Normally they come from a position... Like, so I, I'm making a just so we're losing you there, uh, Sandra. Sandra is not as at his usual place, by the way, just in case yes, other people are it's on holidays. Yeah, he's on holidays. <laughs> and the rock band is not as good as good as at home. Okay. So um, yeah. while Sandro gets uh, gets back to us, I, let's kind of start with the point that is there something, uh, the nature of what we do, that uh, or our industry specifically, that actually makes it a, a good breeding ground for this, this kind of behavior? Um, maybe. Maybe, right? Like there is a there is a part around um, let's call it intelligence or some uh, assumed intelligence uh, that you need to I don't know do a, have a computer science degree or something like that, right? Mm -hmm. And the the fact that the work to some extent is very isolated from other people as well right so you know you you get really good at solving problems but not a uh, really good at solving problems with other people <laughs> no mm -hmm. or or interacting with people um so i think that's that's important i think there's another uh, aspect which is with the demand uh, the pay no and and i think that it, within that area there is this whole you know competition for talent 
through extrinsic motivators, things like perks and things like this, right? That has created this environment where in order to retain talent or to, to attract talent, uh, companies have, have opted for, you know, pampering them and, you know, and you have everything uh, ready for you and what is it that you need? And, you know, like that kind of, uh, <laughs> I would say, over... Caring, if, if yeah. you if you know what I mean, like uh, no, like it's like um, it's like a kid, no, to, yeah. to some extent, no, and uh, the the there's also you know human nature in the sense that once you are used to that, because you can get used to that very fast, no, um, then you have no reference point sometimes, no, or you forget what you know that some things are not just the uh, the 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 status quo no they're there to you know because they want you to stay no but uh, it's not yeah. in general what the industry is about or it's not in general what you will find in other jobs and the, so on right the, there is another element I think Jose is like I, I agree with all, all those things but I think it's also with the maturity of our um a profession right uh, and Mohamed Sufyan, by the way, also adds a very good point around, is there a, is, is, could it also be generational? I think there are many factors, but I'll go back to the maturity of our profession, is that there are, it's, it's a bit intangible, it's complex, uh, it's software development in itself is not a repeatable process, it's, um, uh, it's, it's very much discovery related, uh, and, you know, there's a lot of uh, best practices and let's say standards out there that are constantly changing. And what was good yesterday is no longer right today. And there is something else as well. So there's this um, constant flux in what we do and what is good also creates a lot of uh, opinions, let's say. And our industry, I think, is rife with opinions. There's not as many kind of uh, uh, empiric truth. No, empirical like, yeah. kind of evidence-backed mm -hmm. standards and truths and practices, but there's a lot of opinions. Um, and that also, I think, gives right to this kind of behavior. Opinions are actually almost the norm, and opinion stated that almost fact is almost the norm in our industry. Yeah, I, I, while I agree, like, I would be a bit careful just to choose about the generation thing, I, I, although I, I agree to a good degree, but there is a, a, an element of being able to to socialize, you know, like to, to, to for example, when, when you are in a, in a normal discussion with friends, right, or, or with your family, you tend to ask questions, you tend to, to inquire, you have like an inquisitive, inquisitive mind, is that the word? Like, so basically, like before you start hey, this should be, or this is right, this is wrong, uh, this is, so have very strong opinions. That is a personality trait in that as well, uh, that, that to say, you know what, like before I start saying, having very strong opinions, why don't I try to learn more or understand more? For example, I, I hear people saying, no, uh, this project, we cannot do this or we cannot do that. But they are not always curious to understand why. So, like, okay, why do we need to work this way? So, why those things are in place? What is the history of this? So, what have we have they tried before? 
uh, and there is also a, a, a inability to drive to 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 push ideas forward. So, because sometimes people have a good idea, but the way that they try to push them forward is very confrontational. They are almost like threatening the other person on the other side or or shutting someone down in order to prove a point instead of doing that in a more collaborative way. And because they are unable to sometimes push ideas forward, they blame the other people. They blame their colleagues, their clients and stuff that they don't know what they're doing, but the inability comes from them. That's that's what I see very often, for example. Yeah, there is definitely, and I think this is another aspect of the nature of what we do, is that the skills taught um, uh, in at university and uh, kind of, you know, any foundation level programmer, whether that's university or other means, they are very much around programming, right? And kind of the theory of like, you know, computing and all those kind of things. And there is some uh, level of, you know, kind of group work, but those things are not taught, especially things like uh, how you communicate opinions and how you, uh, you know, how do you have productive conversations and how you convince people if you, you know, with good reasoning and all these kind of things. I think these are skills that unfortunately we learn through experience rather than something that is taught at foundation level. And those add to the uh, to this this thing, and because we because we we know how to program, and uh, we are doing you know the actual let's say the making part, the work part. We also have this arrogance that you know we we are like if everything went away, we know what we are doing, and you know because what we do is the thing that nobody else can do. We can have meetings and we can talk to users and we can manage and all those things we can do because that's not a great skill. Whereas the managers can't program or the the uh, users can't program and, and, you know, all those things. So I think this element also comes into this is that, you know, a, a lot of the other things. And I think this is something we kind of I definitely th- think uh, I was guilty of is that thinking that actually in this machinery we are the most important part and without us nothing will happen but which is true but we forget that actually without the other parts nothing will happen as well and we don't think like that we think that other parts are to some level redundant so so this is why like i would it's not that i would disagree entirely but like because it's not true so i agree with a lot of points you made but for example uh, the, there is a very myopic view from the, 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 the developers as well because they look at what they do as the most important work and because they, they can do more than one job, quite often some of the surrounding or the neighboring disciplines as we called them in the past, uh, like speaking to users, maybe like uh, sometimes to the business or testers or automation and stuff, quite often like the developers can go out to, to quite a few neighboring disciplines and do them to a, a reasonable degree uh, of competence. We, we feel that, that we are the centerpiece. But uh, maybe for people that don't know me or, 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 or didn't know, like before Kojudans, I tried to have a business before and I failed. I failed miserably. I could not earn any money. 
So it was a struggle for me to keep my own expenses when I tried to run a business. But I was coding every day. So I tried to build a startup that was a, a software a product. The software was not a problem for me. I could do that. But I could not transform that into a business. So my first business was a massive failure. And that gave me a, a very different type of appreciation. And when we started Codulance, my pro, pro, uh, worry was like, how am I gonna, we're gonna pay salaries next month? How are we gonna acquire clients? How are we gonna market our, 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 our uh, service and stuff like that? So, though, and then I realized that there were many things that I had absolutely no clue how to do. And this is why I say that a lot of developers have a myopic view. And, and they trying to diminish the, the, the importance of other jobs, even the jobs that are paying their salaries. Because although they can build the software, if they are not building... If no one is out they're... selling it, if no one is out there, you know, yeah. getting the exactly. client because... in, etc., that might not be uh, useful. Yeah, and, in, and, it, and exactly, multiple times, uh, it crossed my mind uh, after running a business for almost uh, nine years now, it crossed my mind sometimes when I see certain developers. It's like, look, I really wish that you one day you start a business and you have salaries to pay. Because while you are just an independent contractor, that is easy. I'm, I'm telling like opening a business and paying salaries and running a business, make sure that there is enough money coming in and then dealing with, then they will see everything else, all the skills that they don't have. But it took me, to attempt to understand that. So that's what I'm saying. So that's why I say that sometimes it's very entitled because they don't have the full picture either. And I think it's... it's sorry, go if, on. If go I may, because like, Luis uh, was saying in the in the chat, uh, you know, like everyone's got an opinion. Now you go to a doctor and you also get an opinion. This is why sometimes you go to another doctor and get a different opinion. No, because, you, you know, it's, it's all opinion, so to speak, right? Um, the difference is that, you know, you go to a doctor and before the doctor tells you, oh, you have, you know, this sickness, no, most likely they'll try to diagnose, you know, they, they will ask you questions to understand what is happening, where it hurts. Also, they are supposed to be run exam, run tests, they, they, right? they've been trained, they, they know, they know, you know, about the human body. They know, you know, they, they studied the, those things. They can make mistakes. Everyone can make mistakes. No, but it, they're giving you an opinion, an informed opinion. No, on something that they are kind of subject matter experts at. Yeah, that is not the case with developers. Uh, and quite really often good. they will refer you, Jose. And quite often they, if they, yeah, if they're not a, out of their scope, they will refer you to a specialist in a different e area. Exactly. And and we developers, a lot of the times, you find that they they don't take the time to even understand the 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 main problem that they're trying to solve, right? Because the jumping straight to the code or jumping straight to trying to, to find a solution when you don't understand what it is that you're trying to solve, when you don't understand. No, like that is just a, a recipe for disaster. But to some extent, I also have to say that this is not uh, entirely uh, the developer's fault. Yeah. Because of the way that economies of scale work. From my perspective, the the bigger the company is and the bigger you know the, the 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 wider the scale the more siloed and more removed you are from the end result uh, or, or the end people that you're affecting and so on and is it takes a conscious effort to break that barrier you no know, 
and to actually focus on something that is not just what you have in front of you. In this case, you know, the computer, the code, or, or whatever, right? Um, and there are few companies that actually think in that holistic uh, uh, in that holistic way, and there are few companies that build software in that uh, holistic way. I don't know what you think. Um. Well, I totally agree with you. I think from a, it, it doesn't kind of create those kind of, those silos create that uh, almost ignorance at at different levels where developers, are, because they are in this almost like a box where, you know, they get fed, you know, requirements or tasks even sometimes, and they just, you know, they just have to code them. And also developers are happy to code, right? This is the other thing. You know, if you think about it for most people, I think myself included even now, the most enjoyable part of the job is when you sat down, you know exactly what you need to do and you can start coding, right? And you get into this flow and it is the one of the most enjoyable parts of the job. It's what- There's a dopamine cycle there. Exactly. Uh, going out and it's like, uh, you know, write a test, make it pass. No, you yeah, get exactly. No, and you and you go for and the next what, one and the next one and the, it's no, what it's took a, us into the profession in the first <laughs> place, right? But often we kind of fail to to see that actually, in order for for that to happen, a lot of things need to align, right? And other people may be trying to align that, and they are probably you know they themselves maybe not be doing the best job possible, right? But also, you're also not doing the best job possible because if if you kind of confine yourself in there and you're not kind of pushing out, because I think the, the problem arises that developers are sometimes almost too eager to say, yeah, let me, you know, if I don't have to do any of this, let me just code. Oh, yeah, that's brilliant. Almost too eager to accept that kind of silo. And I think this, this it's causes... Simple, eh? It simplifies the, the world a lot. Right. Yeah, exactly. And make sure they, they go by anything nicely. that is not the code is someone else's fault. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. And it's nice, nice to kind of de devolve yourself of all that responsibility. <laughs> yeah. I'm but gonna code. No, go yeah. go on, man. No, no, go for it, go for it, son. No, I would say that it gets worse because then it's fine if you want to behave like this. But then don't complain from the things upstream because then they say, I just want to code. But the requirements are not clear. Because the user stories are not well defined. Because we don't have a plan. We don't have a goal. So not always I know what I need to do. And then they complain that someone else is not doing a good job. And when you ask, like, for example, we had cases where I heard developers like saying to, to, to just, I don't want to do BA work. And I said, what do you mean BA work? Well, I don't want to analyze requirements and write user stories. I don't. This is all BA work, business analyst work. And I said, like, okay, so what do you want then? Do you want to be told what to do? Because this is this is what, what I find funny, right? Because like a lot of people say, I want autonomy. But when they have a chance to shape the work that they're going to do, so sometimes they reject. So, no, I don't want to do this work. This is not my job. I just want to code. So, yeah, but in order, if you just want to get the user stories already written, you're going to be told what to do. You will mm -hmm. not have autonomy. You're going to be told what you do. This is what you're going to work next. That's your next user story. That's the next one and the next one. But in fact, but in, in fact, I hear change this. I hear a lot in terms of management as well. Like, I don't want to be a manager. 
I mean, we like Sandra, you and I, we have to admit, like, we hated being labeled managers, even when we were managers, right? Um, and I think that back, going back to what you were saying about starting a company, I think in order to learn some humility, is you don't have to go as far as start your own business. You have to just go and do other roles, like especially the roles that you despise. And then you see that their point of view on why and the importance of those roles as well. I think manager is a typical one, right? I think some people, uh, you know, a lot of people in the XP circles and so on would say, you know, they they may not recognize with the fact about elaborating requirements because, yeah, you know, it's three amigos thing. Of course, we elaborate requirements and all that kind of thing. But even there, when it comes to like management or budgeting or that kind of thing, so no, 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 that's not, we don't do that. That's not even part of XP. Well, actually, it is because XP is about the whole team, right? And this goes back to uh, Jose's thing as well, like the structure of organization and these silos. Actually, if you think that you're doing XP or the, uh, or then you, you need to be talking about whole team and that the whole team is everything that makes your business move, including the people using your, uh, th- that are client to your business, right? So, so, so personally, I think that... Th- we actually often uh, almost diminish other roles because we have this myopic view or because we haven't actually performed those roles, right? And we think that they are, again, going back to what I was saying, we think they are not necessary. Hmm. We think that they are just management or they are just bureaucracy, Right. So, but there is, there, a, a there is bureaucracy, of course, but there are there is, there is a lot of stuff that is happening there that is actually making this possible, making you sitting there program possible. Yeah, there is a question from Mohammed. Uh, so in a self-organized team, what is the work left for the manager? So you need to be careful <laughs> here not to think about that your whole company is five, seven people working on a team. So when when this team is dysfunctional, and each one of those team members want a different thing from the company, they're not going to resolve among themselves. Also, that is not quite often a company, unless it is a very tiny company with five, seven people, the company goes way beyond than that. There are multiple streams of work. That is uh, managing, like for example, how much money can, can, can we afford to pay? Uh, what should we invest next? So when people have problems, they need more benefits or we need to, to hire different types of people or we need to manage. Kind of, for example, we have all this stuff to work, but we have very finite uh, people or, or, or time or money or whatever. How are you going to move things ahead? The, so, so this is, the, I, I'd like to add another thing about self-organizing teams. Even a team of five, I, in all my career, I have yet to see a truly self-organized team. Because a truly self-organized team, to me, is a business, yeah. right? So if you were talking about a self-organized team, to what level? Who is creating that ecosystem for, for that self-organizing team to exist, right? Yeah. There is management going on around you, which gives you the this illusion support almost structure. that, yeah, the, the that you are self-organized. So that, they, so that you can focus on the, on the things that it, you want the team to be focusing on. It, and exactly. Not- Exactly. Yeah. And and even then, even then there is so much skill involved, even given, let's say, like, let's ignore that. And let's say that structure exists and you can be a self-organizing team. Let's say you don't have to worry about the business. 
But even then, like a self-organizing team is easily said than done because we've, we've, we made that mistake many a time before ourselves. Like, you know, to, to the point where we were quite fairly senior developers. I, I actually remember a team of uh, six of us developers. We were all quite senior and we thought, you know what? We don't need a scrum master and we don't need a delivery manager. And, and it was a shit show. And we had to ask a, a delivery manager to come in and help us because it, we were not, we were, everyone wanted to code and no one wanted to do the other things that were necessary and fill in the gaps and everything else. No one wanted to look at the process. No one wanted to really pay attention to the delivery and so on. So, so you know, like people were getting more and more unhappy with us as a team. Yet we thought that, you know, we are senior enough. We don't need a scrum master. We don't need a delivery manager. And we, you know, theoretically, we understood what a self-organizing team means, but we were not able to organize it. And yeah, I am yet to see C1. Same here, same here. Because, like, uh, I had exactly the same uh, experience that Mesh had. Self-organized team, every now and again, then each individual say, hey, but I just want to code. So you want a self-organizing team? Say, okay, I'll raise my hand. I just code. Don't do anything else. I just code. Okay, who is going to define the user stories? Who is find the priorities? Oh, by the way, I would like a pay rise as well as you are at it. Or, by the way, I would like to take a, a sabbatical. Or, well, I don't know. Someone needs to, to understand what the client wants. Or how do you make money anyway? But I want my salary paid every month. So who defines the priorities? So in order for the self, as Mesh said, for a, a truly self-organized team, the only way to work is if, if you have a very small group of people and they own all own the business to a certain degree, then they will share. The then they will have the same kind of stake. But you know, so this takes us to you know what my decisions will impact my salary at the end of the month and the, the revenues of the company by the end of the month. Because while people can be selfish in a way, just say you know what. This is my job, and this is not my job, and I and I can, so I cannot see self-organizing teams working well. I've never seen them this, at, to to this degree. This takes us to to a point that I think is quite important uh, there as well, which is the systemic um, thinking or systemic uh, point of view. You know the tribal leadership book, uh, the Dave Logan thing. You know, culture. You know, level one, culture two, three, and so on. Right, like. The level three is like I am great and you're not. No, this is the language that that yeah. is in that stage. That. And a lot of people uh, who are really good professionals, no, they're really good. They they're high achievers, so to speak. They're stuck at that level, right? And when you were saying before, like, hey, listen, I just want to code. Let someone else like that's kind of for me. That kind of reflects that kind of mentality of you know the individual, yeah. Whereas if you move uh, past that you know we are great and they are not <laughs> no that's still there's still a a, a a silo there but your your silo is bigger let's say no um you start thinking how you impact other people how do you you know together achieve something uh beyond what you as an individual can can achieve and i think that is something that is missing uh, like there there's no incentive in my opinion very few uh, companies in 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 the industry have that incentive for 
the the level four kind of uh, thing, right? Like where where people consciously look at the system overall and how they impact everything else and so on and so on, right? But they, they there is a lot of skill skill involved in there, Jose, as well. I mean, in fact, um, Sofian just added, uh, you know, you can change the manager or uh, software engineer to product engineer and so on. And I think there is a good point there that na names do matter. Uh, you know, that, you know, software engineer is a bit too narrow for what we actually do. Uh, but the, uh, my my thought, and when I read that, it was the same as my thought when I heard your, your comment as well, uh, Jose, is that this holistic view that we must adopt, and it's not easy. There is a lot of skill involved in it. There's a lot of, um, there's a, a mindset change involved and I don't know how, we're definitely not teaching it. I don't even know how you would teach it. It definitely comes through a lot of experience. After you well, have a lot of experience with a variety of roles. There are companies like, like, for instance, there's this book called Delivering Happiness by, you know, Sappos and Tony Shea, you know, a lot of that stuff. So in Sappos, I don't know anymore because I read this book very long time ago. They went through sociocracy and they did a, they, they changed a lot of things in the company. I don't know what the status of that is at the moment, no? Did but one of things that, kind of where that whole thing collapsed and they went into kind of a hierarchical thing? I don't know. I, thought hey, I don't. I don't know what the status of that is. But before they went into sociocracy and, and not sociocracy, uh, what the other one? Um, Teal. Teal. They were no. a big. They were a big study. No, there's, a, there's another thing. It's not sociocracy. Is the well? I'll. I'll. It come back. It will come back to me. Um, holocracy. 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 Exactly. Yeah. Uh, before they went into that, yeah. Uh, one of the things that they would do is you to get hired, yeah you uh, you would have to go through every single department in the organization yeah you would do like a like a full set you know you would work in logistics you will tend the phone you would like no like all of these things you, you would have to go through so you get to know the whole organization how everything works how you know the 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 things that people have to go through in order to to fulfill the the services and then at the end of that they will actually offer you money not to take the job to say, listen, now that you've gone through this whole thing, yeah, we're fine with paying you, I don't know, 20K. You go away, we separate, you know, thank you for your time, and that's it. Yeah. Now, the people who decide to stay, <laughs> no, are people who, who their motivation to be in the company is not a monetary one, because if, if it were a monetary one, you know, you take the bonus, you go somewhere else and, and find. You know, similar term of money, no? They uh, no. say because of the yeah. Well, sorry, sorry, Jose. Sorry, but I don't know if that's a point you're making. But I, I don't think it, money is directly related to this behavior, because in fact, certain people who have this behavior really care about software development. They really I, care. I, I, I agree. It, it, I mean, it non, it's not only related to that, but money is uh, is part of the equation on this. And uh, what I was trying to say, uh, the point that I was trying to make is that in order to create that systemic thinking, you need to walk a mile in other people's shoes. And that was kind of what they were designed, uh, what part. they designed their uh, recruitment process to kind of show that's you. That's a good point. No? That part is a good that's, point. That's what I, that's what yeah. I meant. That but my, I but I I do think that money is has a relationship uh, t 
to that, no? The more you're paid, like, let, let's look at it this way, no? In general, the more you're paid, you know, that's, that's kind of like a correlation of how valued it is the the contribution that you have for the organization or something like that, no? Like, let's, let's put it in, in these terms, no? Mm -hmm. So let's say if I'm a cleaner, yeah, or, or a dishwasher, yeah, get paid a certain amount. If I'm a developer, I get paid an, a different amount. Yeah, we, all, we both work for the same company. That gives you a frame of reference from the point of view. And this is something when we had open salaries. I remember having a conversation with you here in, in Spain and Elena. And do you remember that conversation? Yeah, where, where you know, someone was saying, hey, looking at this, it, it kind of makes me feel bad. I yeah. know that there is a difference between the job that I do versus not, but there is a number attached to this, and there is a meaning to that number as well. So yeah. it is. It, so so if people get pay a lot of money, it's kind of natural for them. Like and and we follow this logic. No, it's kind of natural in that sense to think, oh, I am worth more. Yeah. It's, and then, it's and funny, then you funny. start getting, you know, elitism and, and all, funny, funny, you should say it. funny, you should and say that because stuff, right? we in um, in um, investment banking, the uh, grades were originally they were tied to salary, but they actually originally meant something. So, you know, like nowadays, everyone is a vice president and director and, you know, all those kind of things in investment banking. These were hard earned grades. And they meant something. They meant that you had a certain amount of knowledge and you could underwrite certain kind of risks when trading. And now developers are directors, but not really, you know. And, and this is the same thing because the, the salaries um, of developers was, you know, moved so quickly beyond a lot of the roles within the investment bank. But with the salary came the banding. And as the banding, as the salaries increased, the bandings had to be changed, right? So this is the same thing. It was kind of, and then the, 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 the actual titles meant nothing because we, we were not underwriting certain kind of risks for the bank. We were just coding. Yeah, it's funny like that. Every now and again, you meet someone from an investment bank, like a developer, like mid-level developer, and so I'm a vice president in JP Morgan or UBS or whatever. So, wow, Jane, like vice president. Oh, yeah, there are probably about 5,000 vice presidents around the world. You know, every developer at a certain level is a vice president. So, but anyway, but but I think that the one point. I think there'll be more than 5,000, Sandro. Probably 5 million. Yeah, in some, <laughs> yeah, in some, in some investment <laughs> banks. Like, uh, well, so. But, but there is one point that Jose brought in that was quite interesting is, I think, and this includes us, right? So companies could do better, again, including us, to explain the value of certain areas. For example, I don't, if we asked most of our developers, how long does it take to sign a client? What is the, the cycle time? from the first contact to signing a client so that we can start doing our job. I doubt that anyone in our company, like from develop developers, would know the answer to that. Marketing, the same thing. Or even recruitment. So the cycle time from our recruitment. 
or what is done in marketing and and vice versa for example if you ask our, our like marketing and, and recruitment and and sales uh, what does it take to build software when we start working with those clients what is the work that those guys do so those guys those developers that uh Sometimes with very few years in, in the industry, sometimes they earn more than other people in other in, in other departments that have been 20 years in the industry, right? So, so I don't think that companies do a good job. We certainly don't do as a good job as we could in explaining how the business works and the value of everything and the connection of everything. So this is this is an interesting uh, point and maybe some of the appreciation for some of these these like the self, self uh, sense of entitlement that we've been talking about sometimes as you I think you mentioned that at the beginning mesh sometimes the sense of entitlement of a developer comes from good intentions sometimes they are trying to do the best thing that they can but they just don't have the full visibility they just don't understand the full picture and given the the, the very narrow uh, perspective that they have they find inefficiencies and they think that everything is wrong i i think okay. it's not sometimes i think it's majority of the case because you know like uh, only truly assume, evil people do the wrong thing intentions. knowing that they're doing the wrong thing Pardon? assume good assume good intentions yeah no? yeah i mean most be, uh, i i would be hard pressed to say that someone intentionally tried to sabotage something i think everyone's trying to do the right thing and in fact that's why i was saying to jose as well like Money, maybe, you know, the way you described it may be a small part, but it's it's insignificant. I think a lot of the times it's good intentions, but it's also the sense of entitlement actually comes more from the, the myopic view, the, the siloed view, not understanding the system around you. And I think this kind of systems thinking, uh, understanding the full context around you, and that then brings humility is I... I'm still not, I think we should definitely make a, a, an effort to teach that from the very beginning, even at schools, and somehow try to nurture people to kind of, you know, build that up without having to go through years and years of experience to then understand. So, so you know, how, like this whole kind of Dunning-Kruger effect, how can you, how can you reduce the, the, the peak that, that they have where they, you know, everyone thinks they know everything, right? So the less you know, the more you think you know. How do you bring that down? And I think that's the crux of the situation. How do we, the entitlement exists for many reasons that we discussed, but how do we bring it down? What do you think? Yeah, so, so I think that there are, there is probably not just a single answer to this question because there are multiple factors. So that behavior, that, that sense of entitlement might be triggered for completely different reasons, right? So one is pure selfishness. So someone is being very selfish and thinking just about what is best for them. And in there, like trying to minimize that, it is a different kind of thing. It's more like a social uh, kind of approach. It's like, you know, what? You, you, in order to, you, to live in society, and this is not, for example, if you are always selfish, if you are always thinking what is best for you, it doesn't matter which project you are in. It doesn't matter what company you work for. You will always have those problems, right? You always will find that you, uh, someone is being unfair, right? So people are being unfair to you or stuff because you are very selfish. You cannot think about anything else. So that is a social threat. But there are others 
that are sometimes a lack of knowledge of the business and say like, look, we need to work in a certain way because we are in a regulated industry. And within the regulated industry, there are certain policies that we need to comply to. And in order to comply to those policies, those are the risks and stuff, and that's those, those are the procedures and stuff. And all of a sudden, the conversation becomes a much more productive conversation and say, okay, so if I understand what are all the compliance that we need to have or all the risks, then we are in a position now to say, okay, so how can we adopt our process to the best that we can and still be compliant to those uh, policies or regulations? And there's, so a, there, there's a question in the chat that says uh, by uh, Maravesi, maybe, uh, no, so whose who's, uh, decision or responsibility to say it is to expose developers to that kind of uh, thinking or that kind of, you know, context? Uh, so to speak, right? Um, from my perspective, uh, there could be things within the organization, or let's say structures within the organization, to help uh, with that. Um, and if you want a healthy organization, you probably want to build those structures. But it needs to start at the individual level. Like people need to want to be exposed to that and want to understand and have that. Um, you know, the humble inquiry kind of uh, kind of approach, no? Um, if not, it doesn't matter how much you expose them to that. It will it will just wash off, you know, go you know in and out, right? It's not it, it won't matter what you do if people are not open to it, right? Mm -hmm. And I think, yeah. I, I think it's about awareness as well. You, you know, we need to be creating this kind of awareness and people from the very beginning from schools universities and in you know when we are training people and when they are working right so uh, you know you kind of create that awareness and you just like you know as a programmer when we first start we know that we must be able to program in a programming language to be a programmer we should also be able to think critically we should also be, be, be able to think in systems and think holistically. That is as important as learning to program. But it's not the kind of thing that we are aware of at the or beginning. Get, or get taught. Uh, yeah, or get honest. taught. <laughs> yeah. yeah. yeah I, I also agree with Jose. Like, um, it needs to come from both sides. But like, if a person is not willing to learn more, about the context that that person is in. It doesn't matter how much information you throw. It doesn't matter a, a company going to uh, their employees and saying, hey, this is how we do business. This is what is important for our clients. This is how we make money and stuff. If the person is just thinking, I want to learn a specific programming language, and that's my goal with this job, is to learn a specific technology, it doesn't really matter, right? So you're not going to get through this person. And this person will be unhappy in any job unless they get what they want, that is to learn that programming language or their technology. And if that is the kind of professional that the person is, they, they will need a very specific context. I'll, I'll give you yeah. another example because I will be careful to say things like, for instance, no, someone could say transparency. Transparency is a great way of you know, exposing people to, to this. No, uh, For instance, I don't know, uh, the company is not going well. We show the numbers, or we show no. So this should expose people to you know the issue, the context, which they're in. And to some extent, yes, 
But if you don't have the right, uh, let's call it values or empathy or whatever, that would only fuel the judgmental uh, approach that I was uh, mentioning before, right? Like it's it, then you suddenly become, you know, the expert in finance, right? Like, <laughs> or the, you know, like, you know what I mean? Like, no, it's just, it's not just the team that doesn't work. It's the company doesn't, <laughs> you know, doesn't know what they're yeah. doing or whatever, right? So, so this is, this is the thing, like, is not a single thing. I, there are certain uh, values or strategies that you can follow. And I think they're good in, in, in principle on what they're trying to achieve, but you need to start with a strong set of values, uh, that allow for, for people to be open-minded uh, and to actually, again, be empathetic towards what is happening or try to have that in inquisitive mind, you know, beyond what it is they think that they would do or they would, uh, you know, or they think is best, right? And again, for me, that starts at hiring, <laughs> to be honest, you know what I mean? Like, because once that's there, it's really difficult to to change or evolve. I'm not saying it's impossible, but is it even but, my but job? I, no, or, or do do I really want to spend time in in you know turning but, someone but hiring, into a human yeah. being? No. <laughs> but, but at the hiring stage, it's also certain things are very difficult to to assess because some people are very good in saying the right things, but when they actually join and they 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 will think about themselves and, and then so certain things are very very difficult to assess during an interview process but the talking about the the entitled developer uh, or programmer you mentioned transparency uh, transparency i find very funny because like quite often we get like people oh we need more transparency and then you have someone saying that anonymously so someone went anonymously to a forum say we want more transparency but they said that anonymously and, and then the, a lot of people that also are, ask for transparency are not willing to give full transparency either because they want to have access to information, but they don't want to give, ac to give access to all what they do. For example, it's common to say, we want to know everything that the company is doing or the managers are doing, but they don't want to give a detailed update of everything that they do on a daily basis. So now, how, how does that work then? So this you want information. But you don't want to tell us because if we ask you what you do on a daily basis and give a, a detailed information every day, you will say that we are micromanaging you. So you want us to give you a detailed information of what we do. But if we ask you the same, oh, I don't have autonomy. I'm being micromanaged here. So, or, or also, for example, as Mesh said, if you present some detailed information about a different area, they make a judgment. Oh, because I don't think that they are doing the right thing here and there. But then if we expose how they are doing, how their project is being developed, and expose that to other professionals in the company, how would they feel if other professionals, non-developers, start giving an opinion about their job? They say, oh, these people don't know my job. How can they say uh, if I should do better or not and stuff? Because they don't know how to program. They don't know how to develop. Oh, yeah, but you do exactly the same for the marketing professionals or sales or, or HR or whatever. And this is what I find funny, you know, like. I, I think tra transparency is is a, a big topic that we could have for a, another fireside, fireside chat. Fireside chat on, yeah. Because <laughs> there is, like, uh, you know, I uh, the, this other thing that gets thrown at you is like, 
is transparency the right thing like transparency some people think of it as like full disclosure all the time right and it can actually hurt people it can be unprofessional it can make people scared uh of of certain things right so so it can get people confused so there's a lot of other things that you know a lot of times when people talk about transparency they don't understand the consequences and i think it's a very good fireside chat but i agree with your point yeah, is I that agree. you know a lot of the time people don't hold themselves of the same standards as mm -hmm. they want yeah Yeah, and again, others. and you yeah. need certain foundation for that to work out properly, no? And to to have the outcomes that you expect it to have. Otherwise, it just again, it just flu fuels the the you know the judgmental nature of of the comments yeah. or whatever, right? Um, I, I, there's a good question actually. Maybe it's a uh, then this is related to entitled developer from Am Sofian is that. How should we balance between strategic decisions for the organization versus decisions that people in team want to make because they want to learn something based on what is famous? I think this is a very, very good question. So as I, uh, I mean, I'll try to answer it and I think you guys can as well. But my personal view is that a business should should teach what is relevant for the business. And and of course, it's a business responsibility to to keep things relevant because that makes good sense for the business, for, for its uh, uh, advantage, both in terms of the people that it has and nurturing them, but also in terms of the um, edge that it has over competition. But they should not be making that decision. Like there is no way that developers should be just learning what is famous for the sake of because it's famous. Uh, a business should be training its people and training them well but because what is needed for that business and not for for any other reason you know this reminds me of i i was having an interview the other day right and we were talking you know we were going through the leadership part and the you know team management and all that stuff and the the candidate uh, was saying to me you know i'm i'm pretty much you know get it to the team no like let's let's have the team decide you know give them autonomy by all of that right <clears throat> and then i i it quickly came came to mind and it's like okay so let's say yeah that you come to the team and you say listen we need to pick the stack for now based on uh, mohammed's question no we need to be the stack to do this thing blah blah, blah. you know full autonomy you you, know, you want to decide how to do this I, by the way i think we should do it this way right Because this is what we already know. We won't have any. We're minimizing the risk by using this not so cool technology that we all know, and and we're quite hired for that. Yeah, exactly. But but yeah. you know you you know you have full autonomy. You, know, you go for it and and make the decision. Yeah, and then some time passes, and uh, the product's not going well. You see that, you know, the technology you chose is, was not the best technology to do this, or you don't know enough about it, and the product's been delayed, and all of these things. And so my question to the guy was like, what do you do then in that case? So how do, where, where is the, this autonomy and decision-making, you know, coming the other way around, right? Like, because... They, they, Because you can ask, you know, to get all the autonomy and none of the responsibility, right? But when you actually need the, the responsibility, needs to stay where the decision is made as well. 
So how would you handle that uh, that situation? And I feel that's part of the issue here as well, right? Like the the criticism or you know the the judgment or I, this is how it should be done or I know best, etc., comes a lot from not uh, being held accountable for. The, decisions, the consequences, the, of the, the consequences. Uh, no. Someone else is going to take the the consequences. Someone else is going to have to face the client. Someone else is going to right. And again, going back to economy of economies of scales, etc. Like it's it's part of the design in many organizations that this is the way that 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 happens, right? A uh, good point. But but it is there. It, it is there, right? And mm -hmm. and what you want is okay. You have autonomy. You you have decision making. But you also need to face the consequences. Right? Yeah. You cannot expect someone else to come to you and say, oh, no, you know what? You know, we made the wrong decision uh, against what you advised. We're delayed. Uh, we didn't say it uh, on time or whatever. And now we want the client to, you know, extend the deadline for three months so that we can clean our own shit. Because that is, there is no way, <laughs> no. Uh, like, what is it that you want me to do? No, you want me to pay you to fix your mistake? <laughs> well, how does that work, right? Yeah, I, I go beyond. I go beyond, uh, and then the, the 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 person or the group of people that made those decisions that were not a good business decision, but it was what they wanted to do. When shit hits the fan. They say, okay, but they are now going to be held accountable. No, they won't. They will quit and find another job somewhere. And then the company remains with that problem. So uh, like I said in a previous episode, like this is very easy to, to think about when you are the one paying the bill. And as I said, like imagine you are the one hiring a contractor, hiring a plumber, a builder, or whoever, professional, a lawyer, a dentist, an accountant, whoever you are hiring. And this person comes in, you have the problem. You have your house that needs fixing or your business or whatever. You hire the person. The person says, hey, I want to do something different because this is more aligned to my preferences. And then you are, oh, I'm not quite sure. Okay, well, if you can satisfy both. You're, right, I'll you're, still the, expert. You. you're the expert. Yeah, you're you the are the expert. That you, so you should decide what you, you. Yeah. And as long as you guarantee that my problem is solved, then the person decides to do whatever they want. And then it doesn't solve your problem. And then the person gives you say, you know what? Okay, so I'm not working for you anymore. I'm going to work for someone else. And your house is still there with the problem. So now you don't have that professional. You spent the money. The professional with, is gone. Sorry, with more problems than you started with. Exactly. <laughs> now, you have, now you have two problems. You know, you had the original problem and the, the shit that was left behind. Exactly. So, so for me, a good professional needs to be thinking about the client. You are providing a service. Are we, are we careful about the, the plumber and builders? Uh, no, because no at the moment, what's happening, it's quite a big scam around here, in the UK at least, is that plumbers and builders are starting work, taking the initial sum, the deposit, and kind of starting a bit, get the deposit and then run away. <laughs> and then you're left with a half built or not even, but just completely messed up thing. <laughs> But, but again, like, sorry, yeah, so, so, just thought I'll add that. Not every every profession has issues. <laughs> no, but, but this is what I'm saying. Like, so a good professional would think always about the client. And if the the professional wants to work with certain skills, they will invest their own time, their own money. They will get good at certain skills, and they will look for clients that needs that kind of service. 
And, and also, right, if you work at a company that supports that, uh, most likely you will get the support to to get uh, you know those skills or or to hone those skills, right? They just remind me, you know, the the book of the five rings by Miyamoto Musashi, right? Like there's a part where he's describing like the different weapons and all of that, and one of the things that he says like a strategist, which is a name that he, he gives like a sword master and so on should not be attached to a to a particular weapon like you need to know all the weapons right and you need to know which context they're good at so that you pick the the weapon that you otherwise that's a weakness right like if you over rely on one thing then you're you're kind of screwed right like you you have weaknesses not, on, not if it's a lightsaber <laughs> not if it's a lightsaber that's the only <laughs> case where <laughs> i'm joking okay and then, so, so sorry, sorry we, we kind of uh, final thoughts but you can finish your comment sandro first. it's just a quick one about <laughs> big companies as well quite often like we mentioned a few like uh, there was a mention from thoughtworks in here as well we, there's google and uh, we mentioned zappo and and there is we quite often mention spotify and netflix and, and all facebook and stuff like that we need to be very careful when we say company x does y because like first of all they don't do that across the company they quite often have a few experiments in some places and they publish those experiments and we never know when they succeed or failure because at the end of the day, many service companies are providing service to their clients. They cannot just keep spending the client's money to build and destroy software as they go along. It's fine when they have their own labs area, their own smaller area where they experiment as part of finding uh, new services, new techniques and stuff like that. But we need to be careful every time that I see, for example, Spotify does that or this does that. Going having having gone through the, the whole teal organization and holacracy or, or, or sociocracy, like as we learned, some companies tried a few things. Most of them either did that in a very, very small scale and not at full the full scale, and quite of them reverted to more conventional businesses as well. So we just need to be a bit careful sometimes. Like I became very skeptical over the years because I followed those things and not only followed, but we even tried to apply in an organization. And we learned that some companies that we were trying to follow, they reverted back to something different or they were very small experiments that didn't go anywhere. So we just need to be a, a bit... But just I, I think there is, there is an important point in there as well that, you know, like training... Uh, Training is an important aspect of any organization and everyone must take it seriously like we do as well, right? Mm -hmm. And it's not just about, I mean, of course, we like, you know, when we train our academy people, we have a, a project in the end so that they can try all those skills. And and we are always considering different ways of, of upskilling our people. Um, but the But that's not, kind of labs thing that, you know, training is organized and allowing people to kind of work on a destroyable project is just one way of training. And there are many other ways for training people as well. But that, but I think that's not the context that we are talking about. The context we're talking about in this case for the entitled programmer is working on business, working with in teams, working on something that has, you know, that is a potential value for the business. Yeah. Right, so I think it's important to kind of put this discussion in in that scope. Um, final thoughts: We are past our one hour marker, so who wants to go first? 
I, okay, I'll, I'll go first. I think it's a it's a difficult situation. I think it's definitely an industry wide issue uh, that is accentuated by lots of different uh, trends. No, um, we didn't talk about the generational one, but I I also think that there is a bit of a uh, there is some truth to that as well, uh, and. There's no silver bullet, of course, to to deal with this, but I think taking steps uh, formally as an organization to expose people to the context of other departments and other, you know, like walk a mile in their shoes is something that uh, that definitely works a lot uh, towards that uh, direction. Uh, the cross-functional nature beyond uh, beyond software development, I think it's also quite important. So having people from different departments, like really working together to do something else that is not just software or, or has a software component, that, that kind of stuff, right? I think that's also quite important. And in general, uh, the, the again, a humble inquiry mindset, no? the, the idea of trying to understand and, and empathize before you go and, and be equipped with uh, with a judgment. And, and th those are things that, you know, as an individual, as an organization and, you know, or as a, or as a team, you can already start doing, no, if you want to start bridging that, that gap, that's as a way that I see it. And Jose, before uh, I go, like uh, there are like Marabesi and also uh, Mohammed are asking for book recommendations. Do you have any book recommendations? Uh, on, on, well, you know the tribal leadership book. That's good. You know the delivering happiness uh, book by that I mentioned before by Tony Shea. That's also it, it's an okay book to understand the philosophy behind it. Um, what else did I mention? Um, well, the the Miyamoto Musashi <laughs> book, but that's not very much related to this. Uh, I don't know. I, I think that those are, you know, oh, the, well, any any book on system thinking, I think, would also help, like understanding and being able to think in systems. Uh, it's it's a good tool to have in your toolkit, whether you're designing software or helping an organization or consulting or whatever. That's part of the, you know, it, helping you have that critical thinking that that Mash was mentioning before. Now and and have. Uh, be able to map your own mental models. No, that's. I think those are quite important. Yeah. So from my side, I think that is um, asking the question. It's always giving the benefit of a doubt. N never stop with a, a very strong judgment. In this is shit. This is good. This is bad. This is always like as what I was saying is, okay. Before I make a big judgment, let me ask a few questions. Let's try to understand what's going on. Let, let, let's go beyond my sphere of knowledge. Uh, so, so that's that's what I would start from. Uh, I think that that would already constrain a lot of the this perception of being entitled. Let's say because uh, you are trying to understand more, you are trying to work with the people around you to make things better instead of just judge and judge from a, a position of authority that you might not even have. Uh, in terms of books, like I mentioned that multiple times, like I love that book, that is the extreme ownership because it really counters that st straight away. We will be thinking about like, uh, okay, so 
it's my fault. So how can I fix that? How can I improve that? So you always start from that premise so that you totally counter the whole entitlement thing because it will, you will feel that it's your job to try to change things. Um, I like Thinking Fast and Slow. Is a book that when I read, it really made me see the world in a different way, uh, see my own limitations and stuff. So, and predictable, predictably irrational. It's another that uh, made me see how, uh, how, how, what's the word that I'm looking for? Uh, when my, my how thoughts your are own not mind tricks you. How, how biased, no? You can be yeah, without exactly. even so noticing that. Like, exactly. So, so how, not fragile is not the word that I was looking for, but like my, 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 my reasoning is not as accurate as I thought it was. I, mm -hmm. so I can be easily influenced by other things. So those are books that I probably would uh, recommend. And there was a comment about Luca Doms. Uh, I don't know how to pronounce the last name. So if you can play basketball at 23 years old as he is now, to that level, I'm pretty sure that companies will pay you shitloads of money. But there is one thing missing from your comment. <laughs> you still need to take that team, the Dallas Mavericks, to be a champion. Because you can be a great individual player, but I want to see that team being a champion, and I'm not sure it's going to happen this year, right? So that, that's what I, <laughs> I was. I was like right. wondering, what, who, who is what, this? What is this? A, it's a basketball reference. Oh, Slovenian basketball player playing to the Dallas Mavericks. He's phenomenal, phenomenal, absolutely phenomenal. Yeah, but again, he still needs to win a championship and go all the way. Yeah, yeah. yeah um... Also, uh, you know, like all those books that you mentioned, I think they're good. Also, the uh, learn about the, the Dunning-Kruger effect. <laughs> I think it's a good start. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I, I, I think uh, my personal view is that we should be, these kind of things should be taught early in life and people should be made aware. And I agree with uh, Jose as well that they, we should take a personal responsibility to try to understand others, to try to understand other people and and how they, and not be critical, but, but to understand the difficulties they face and see that they're also human beings and they make many mistakes like everyone else, else does as well. But walk in their shoes and try to do those kind of jobs as well that helps you understand that, you know, the developer is not the center of the universe. Nobody is. Right, we all make it kind of work together. Um, yeah, that's my final thought. So, thank you everyone for listening. Especially thank you to the people that were listening live and leaving us comments and giving us lots of great things to discuss. So, as always, if you like it, press like and subscribe so you know when the when we are up next. Um, and uh, and leave us uh, suggestions for for new topics to discuss as well. Thank you very much for listening. Yeah. Thanks, everyone. Take care. Until next time.